What is privacy by design and what does it mean today? We answer these questions and more in this episode of Saying the Quiet Part Out Loud, a podcast from LiveRamp that uncovers what's unsaid about technology, data, and business and explores how they intersect. I'm your host, Daniela Harkins, SVP of Commercial Strategy and Excellence at LiveRamp. For this episode, we invited Fatima Katablu, VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester Research to speak with Anika Gupta, LiveRamp's President and Head of Product and Platforms. Here's Fatima and Anika on the state of privacy engineering and how we can work together to better inform consumers of what they're opting into and the value they receive in return. Fatima, it's so great to have you here today to chat about privacy by design. I think this topic is so important because we're seeing this fundamental change in the landscape where regulators are starting to wake up and hold the technology industry more accountable to how they're using consumers' data. And at the same time, consumers are starting to wake up and say, hey, I want there to be a better, more transparent relationship between how the companies that I'm interacting with and how they're using my data. I'd love for you to start us off by talking about what does privacy by design mean to you? How do you define that? Thanks for having me on. Really excited. Okay, so privacy by design, it's taken on a whole host of new meanings since it was first defined by Canada's privacy commissioner to Ontario gosh, a decade or more ago now. Her name is Anne Kavukian. She coined this term, privacy by design, and she laid out, I think it was seven principles for what comprises privacy by design. And so it's things like data minimization and transparency and specific purpose around the the collection of the data and data protection elements. And so it was a very broad framework for thinking about the data that we collect how we protect it, and then how we use it. Over the years, I hate to use the term been watered down, but it no longer comprises those seven principles. I think it has come to mean, well, we do privacy by design. We think about privacy when we build our things without necessarily adhering to those seven principles. There are a few companies out there that have gone to Congress and talked about (laughs) doing privacy by design. And then when you drill in a little bit, what they really mean is we ask the questions, but if we don't like the outcome or the answers for our business, we sort of ignore it. That is actually like a big part of the privacy by design problem is that some people have just kind of watered it down. I think of it as being inextricably tied to another concept, which I really love, which is a more technical framework, privacy engineering. When we connect the idea of putting technical controls in place for data collection, for data storage, for data use, when we actually use technology to help enforce the really good policies that we are setting, then you get this really powerful thing that is privacy by design and privacy engineering working really well together. Now, I would say in our industry, that's mostly being led by vendors. There are not a ton of brands who would tell you that they know a thing about privacy by design or that they design their privacy pages to be transparent and open and clear. Mm -hmm. 
it's really being led largely by our technology clients. And why do you think that's the case? Why do you think brands and marketers are not leaning more into this concept of privacy by design or the term that I like better that you just brought up privacy engineering? I guess it's twofold. The first is we haven't had to think about this before. Marketers and brands have not historically embedded privacy practices. If you're in a regulated industry, right, healthcare, financial services, it's a compliance issue for you. And so you have resourced it. You've got a compliance team. You've got a privacy team. They're well-funded and well-resourced. But if you're not, if you're a retailer or an e-commerce company or a wearables company, you name it, that has not been a part of the organization that you've spent much money on. And so these folks that do work in the very small silos of privacy and marketing and brand organizations typically aren't at the table at service design or product design processes. So I think that's one of the really big things that has to change is how do brand and marketing organizations start to resource and fund their privacy programs? Yeah, and I'm curious to hear from you. Do you feel like with all of the focus that's being put around customer centricity within organizations, especially for B2C marketers, are they now seeing it as a a corporate imperative for them to invest more in privacy so that they can truly be investing in creating amazing customer experiences and a trusted, long-lasting relationship with that end customer. Are you seeing that starting to change? Oh, gosh, Annika, that's such a great question. Yes, 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 yes. For a few different reasons, I would say. I think you're absolutely spot on. Suddenly, marketing and advertising are targets for regulators. We've never been regulated before. (laughs) Marketing and advertising data hasn't really been regulated. And so now we're starting to see regulators and legislators go, you know, maybe this unfettered access to data wasn't a great thing. But more importantly, I think, to your point about personalization, is that if you know that somebody's got a high privacy sensitivity your very first step in personalizing to that person should be stepping back from personalization. And it's just the kind of thing that we haven't even gone there before. We haven't actually said, listen, I can see that this person's browser is running a privacy protecting tool, you know, whether that's like something like Privacy Badger or Ghostery or whatever. I can see that they're running one of these tools. Maybe I should not use their data without like a little pop-up consent mechanism or something that makes them understand what I'm doing with their data or what I'd like to do with their data. And further to that point, I think that we have, in many cases, over-personalized. And so we've gotten to the creepy point for a lot of people. And that's not good for personalization either. Even the folks who are most liberal about their data use, who will turn on location sharing services to every app they have, who are completely okay with lots of targeting and personalization, even they would say to you, well, it's creepy when I have a conversation about hamsters and then I see an ad for a pet supply company that's got hamsters in it. So I think we're trying to strike that balance, and I do think that now marketers do see it as a differentiator in their personalization programs. 
Yeah, and we see this with our customers as well. When I'm talking to some of our largest brands in the past year and a half, I would say we get a lot more questions about okay, what is your approach? How should we be thinking about ethical data use? How do we become more transparent with our customers about what we're doing with data? And how do we do that in a way that makes it understandable and also a good user experience? Because reading through like a hundred page terms and conditions <laughs> is not a good user experience. Very intrusive pop-ups are not a great experience either. So I think there's a reckoning that's happening right now where marketers are saying, hey, yeah, we know now, like whether it's through regulation or just heightened consumer expectation, that we need to be approaching this differently. And we need to actually be thinking critically about how we engineer privacy into every customer interaction that we have. I think the thing that drives me the craziest is when I hear people say, consumers don't care about privacy. Consumers do care about privacy, but consumers want to be making informed decisions. And I think today it's way, way too difficult for a consumer that wants to make an informed decision to actually be able to do so. I really hope with the changes that are happening in the industry, the changes that are happening on the regulatory front, that that starts to happen. I think you just hit on something really important, the informed consumer. I feel like what I hear from a lot of the trade groups and a lot of the lobbying groups around privacy regs is that consumers value all of the services and free things that they get as a result of advertising at something like $1,400 a year. And my response to that is fantastic. This is amazing. That's a really good thing. When there's a conflation of digital advertising and behavioral tracking. And we want to be sure that when we are using privacy by design, we are not putting a ceiling on the ability to do behavioral advertising, but rather we're putting a floor down and saying, this is where we want to start. And we want not to make behavioral advertising and behavioral tracking the default standard for all digital advertising. Some consumers are going to be really happy to opt out of that. A lot of consumers are going to be really happy to opt into it. I love that concept that you're talking about, about setting a floor rather than a ceiling. And it's really this concept of how do we raise the bars? What do you think that needs to look like practically? I've got some clients who are saying, well, we have decided to sort of flip a switch in all of our ad tech and MarTech and start testing, quote unquote, GDPR mode, if you will. So they're going to start testing contextual from the baseline and then using things like preferences and those sort of in the moment contextual, hey, opt into us using this little piece of information and here's what value it will deliver for you. And that's sort of what they're moving into. And you used a word a few minutes ago that I, I think we don't say enough, which is ethical. That's really the far more ethical way to use somebody's data is to say, hey, you're going to see a lot of untargeted and impersonal ads. If you like discovering products and services that are more tailored to you, then here, opt into it and we'll let you do that. So I do have a lot of brand clients beginning to test that. And I think we're seeing a lot of that on the publisher side. 
So if you think about The Guardian in the UK and The New York Times and how they have really fundamentally rethought the way that they sell and display advertising, it's pretty impressive. And I think that advertisers and publishers need to be at the table together. I know you're doing some work with the IAB, and I think the trade association groups really should be fostering that. Let's get people at the table. Let's get all the stakeholders at the table and start thinking about what privacy by design means to the industry, not to a product, not to a platform, not to whatever, but like, let's think about what it means as an industry. Yeah, I love that. And I love this concept that you talked about around how do you display preferences and choices to people just in time. So when you like collecting little bits here and there and using them at that point in time to actually create that personalized experience versus collecting permissions a long time before that data actually gets used. It makes it much harder to create that transparency. So I'm curious, like you've written about a term that you've called adaptive intelligence. Can you talk about how adaptive intelligence connects to this concept of privacy by design? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Adaptive intelligence is a concept that we first wrote about probably five or six years ago, and it's really now starting to take off. The idea is that we're enabling multi-directional, permission-based, private, secure sharing of data between organizations. And the multi-directional part is really important here because very often what we've got is bi-directional sharing. I go to a data broker, I get some data. Or I have one single partnership and now my data is never going to leave this one little safe haven um, and it's not really useful in other ways. And I'm not talking just specifically about personal information here. I'm talking about a whole host of other kinds of organizational data. So that's why we use the term multidirectional is because we want data to be democratic. It speaks to concepts of data portability. It speaks to concepts of anonymizing, de-identifying, encrypting data so that the data that we have about people and environments and things like that can become useful to way more people and way more organizations. As it relates to the notion of privacy by design, I would say that you cannot and should not ever be sharing your organization's data unless you've built privacy controls into that data sharing platform. Whether you're thinking, oh, I'm going to build something by myself or look to a partner to help you build a data safe haven, if you will, you got to have the privacy by design built into it. Yeah, and I love this topic that you're talking about around data collaboration, because certainly one of the big opportunities that we're seeing as we're working with different kinds of marketers and advertisers is the fact that you know, no one organization has all the data that they want to use to be able to understand the context of their customers' lives and use that insight to create these really incredible experiences across every interaction that they're having with the customer, whether it's someone going into a store or interacting online or through mobile or calling in for customer support. So these are all avenues by which brands have the ability to build these trusted relationships where 
privacy by design is built in, but also in order for companies to really stay competitive, given that data is now the lifeblood of the economy and of businesses, in order for companies to stay competitive and compete with the likes of the big technology companies, they have to have access to more data. It shouldn't have to be this trade-off of, I'm going to get access to more data, but I'm going to do that while sacrificing privacy. It has to be the marriage of both of those things together that we're unlocking, democratizing data, as you put it, as well as building in better controls where we're engineering privacy and security into every technology that's serving and delivering these solutions. Yeah, you're 100% right. The one thing that I would add to that is democratizing data means also to me democratizing it to people. You guys have a data for good initiative, which I love, and you're sort of thinking about how do we empower and enable organizations that may not have access to data, nonprofits, things like that, to sort of give them the tools and enable them to be smarter about data. I love that concept. For me, we also need to be doing that for consumers. And part of what that means is not putting the onus of privacy controls on people Mm -hmm. because we've built the Byzantine structures of the data economy. I would love to see a model where every browser has built into it a series of questions that let the user say, here are the nine things I'm super interested in. Here's the stuff that I'm in the market for over the next six months or year or whatever. And I'm totally okay with you using this information about me for personalization and for targeting. And if you are safe and secure and protected about it, I don't even mind if you share it with business partners. Letting people set those things in a really seamless and transparent way, one time as opposed to making them click on every ad that they don't like, have to answer like, why don't I like this ad? I think we're just putting too much of the burden on people. I'd like to see us start to build privacy engineering and technical ways for us to listen to people better. Yeah, I think one thing we haven't done well as an industry is to truly be respectful of people's time and attention. And I really hope the solutions that you're talking about are doing just that. They're helping us develop these concepts and these ideas of how do we create simplicity for the consumers and treat them with respect and give them the choice and give them the information that they need to actually make informed choices going forward about how their data is going to be used and what is the value that they're going to get from that. Well, Fatima, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I know I learned a lot from the concepts that you talked about, and I'm really excited to continue this conversation in the future. It's always great talking to you, Annika. Thanks so much for having me on. I love that concept of democratizing data and think we'll hear more about it. In our show notes, you'll see a few videos of LiveRamp's Data for Good initiative that Fatima mentioned. I encourage you to watch them and reach out to us if you want to get involved. Just email us at dataforgood at liveramp.com. In our next episode, Annika is taking over hosting duties and will continue the conversation on privacy by design with one of LiveRamp's engineering leads. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying saying the quiet part out loud, be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.